everybody. Welcome to the Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. Now I'm whoever you want me to be. Steve. Um, well, I would like you to be some kind of, maybe like a Brinks truck kind of guy, like has all the money. I mean, if we're just choosing your identity, you have a whole bunch of Bill Gates. Let's go with Bill Gates. I mean, he Microsoft has a lot of money. is the best software on earth. <laughs> she saw, that was a great impression, by the way. <laughs> all right. Welcome to Linux Cast. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. We took a week off and I completely forgot how to do a podcast. It's okay. This is, um, so. We talk about Linux on this thing, I think, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be talking about Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so... I mean, uh, I'm going to be talking about Microsoft. We will be talking about Microsoft on this, actually, but it'll be a different kind of Microsoft, a more friendly Microsoft. That's not actually. Uh, anyways, we talk about Linuxy stuff, and we've had quite the couple, last couple weeks. Tyler is off again this week. He should be back next week, where we'll be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be taking a look at CrunchBang++, I believe is the um, distro we're going to be looking at. We're going to do a, a review of it, and uh, we'll show some of it on camera, because I'll have that all set up. So that's what we'll, we're planning on doing next week. should be really fun, so to make sure you tune in for that. But... This week, we got news. Boys, we got news. Uh, but first, before we jump into that, let's talk about what we've done this week in open source. So, Steve, what have you been up to this week or the last couple of weeks? Deleting all theme packages from my repository because installing themes from repositories or the AUR is not the right way of doing it, apparently, because after testing, I realized I was doing it wrong all this time for two years. Uh... Because if you install anything from a package manager, which cannot and will not ever touch your home directory, uh, the theme uh, files will have the wrong permissions, thus not applying all the accent colors that they were supposed to apply to your system. So I went back to the drawing board and redid all my rising scripts where they install straight from source, thus applying the infamous Libadvita patch as they're installing. So that way, if you install, you're crazy enough like a lunatic to try to install uh, Libadvita apps on KDE, you will have them using whatever theme your, your system is uh, using. Same for flatbacks. Everything was uh, uh, everything is now hunky dory, with the exception of Katpuchin, which, for whatever reason, to apply the Libadvita patch they, and the KDE theme, they run a Python script instead of a Bash script or flag. I don't know why they like to complicate things, but when I talked to the developers, they said one thing, and that thing was so clear Katpuchin was. And, uh, was cre uh, was never uh, meant to be used on desktop environments. It was created uh, with window managers in mind, desktop environments later. So I learned a lot of a lot of new things uh, while using also ChatGPT. Uh, I now know how what flag to use to hide errors from users, like package not found kind of errors, using the dev null flag. Uh, which I knew nothing about before until I used ChatGPT, but uh, I learned that as well. So I've been real busy the past weeks. I'm surprised that the themes in the normal global themes directory doesn't work like it should. 
Because I mean, users they don't. I talk, uh, users talk share to the team developer. User share doesn't work. I talked to the team developers multiple ones to make sure I didn't only talk to one. I talked to the Capuchin dev, Ever uh, Lara, who is also responsible for Dracula, also responsible for uh, Sweet, and, a lot, and many other famous themes. Uh, there's a Python script that uh, you download. It's called Libadwaita uh, Patcher that allows you to apply to Libadwaita apps. And he, they both, and I talked to uh, Vinci Lucci, guy behind Layen, and um, Mojave, whatever, Mac Mojave theme, and Orcus, among other themes. And they both explained to me that for uh, since, I don't know, uh, a few six seven months ago, the way themes work uh, is you have to install them from uh, source. They're not responsible for AUR or Arch packages, but mm. themes you generally don't find them on Arch uh, repositories. You find them generally on the AUR. They're like we're not responsible for those themes and the way they're applied. And I checked the PKG builds. Nothing is wrong with the G PKG builds. I even sent the PKG build to uh, Vincelucci who checked it out. It was like. The, the PKG build is correct, uh, but uh, for uh, he was like he explained that anything that goes into root gets applied to root with root privileges. Themes expect uh, ex are expected to be using uh, to to have the user permissions, not root permissions, for everything to work correctly. Um, he did he and he specified some aspects of the theme will work, like the general. When you go to plasma settings and look and feel, and you apply the plasma, the plasma theme, that will work. But there are accent colors in Layen, for example, like uh, the icons in the app menu should be colored, and the tray icons are not. They're not using the Layen icons. They will continue to use the breeze icons. So uh, those aspects uh, uh, of the theme will not work because they are expected to. Uh, have user permissions, not root permissions. So he was like, want to use uh, him and uh, Oliver Lara? They were like, you want to use, you want the theme to work? Apply it your home directory as a user with user permissions, not root. So uh, the way it is. Hmm. Is that just for GTK or is it for Qt as well? For Qt as well, like uh, the app menu in hmm. in KDE. No, the app menu with it. Ha it gives you the icons for power, logout, shutdown, whatever. Those are colored in Layen: uh, green, yellow. Uh, I mean, green, orange, blue, uh, whatever. You apply it from a via package from any from the AUR because themes are on the AUR, not on regular repositories. They will not be applied. We'll get just plain white icons from Breeze because. The way it's set up in KDE is for everything to fall back, Breeze, because Breeze is the essential mm -hmm. KDE. So uh, it's unfortunate. Now, is that just an uh, is that just an Arch thing, or is that across Linux everything? Uh, when I asked him, he didn't reply. Uh, mm -hmm. But I guess it's uh, since I'm on Arch, I cannot speak for others. But I think it's a general thing. It's not an Arch thing because. Uh, but I could be wrong. 
different package managers deal with packages differently. Yeah, it's so. been a long time since I've installed any themes into the user share themes directory. Anyways, I always just I've just I've been using the dot. Yeah, theme. you go for Pling. Yeah, you go to Pling and you download them and you extract them in the rightful locations on your yeah, and it's, your it's home directory. Just easier to do it without sudo. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, but unfortunate. This is unfortunate, and I tried to 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 make that known with my video and one. Random developer who has only three followers on uh, on GitHub attacks me, and he was like, "You're don't team you, my app," and he shoves that URL in my face, and <laughs> uh, and tells me you're you're uh, you're stri stripping our identity from our uh, application. Our icons are I are are our identity. Like who who pulled your hair? <laughs> Weird. I was I was actually this close to just stepping in that thread and going like you're he's shipping default themes. He's just telling his users how to do it. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm shipping a default theme. Like he he mentioned in 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 his uh, in his dialogue, he was like, "It's up to main, uh, maintainers not to ship any themes in their distro." I was like, "Did you look at zero G? I'm shipping Libertwita Dark. I'm not touching anything. I'm okay." I am theming the icons. This is where I think this is what uh, tripped them off because I'm using Tele Icon Blue and, uh, on zero G. But he's like, shouldn't encourage people to theme their system. It's like I sent him one tweet, then I deleted it because I didn't Apparently want. Apparently, he's not reading his own damn link. Yeah, I know. His link says, his link says that, yeah. Uh, users are per is perfectly fine for users to theme their apps. That's what that link that he sh he shared says. Yeah, well, uh, the, <laughs> the, the 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 biggest problem is uh, that he 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 is talking about identity. Who's robbing him from his identity? No one. I'm not using any themes. I'm just telling people if if you are going to theme your apps, you want to theme GNOME apps, Libadwaita apps. This is how to do it correctly mentioned by the theme developers themselves i'm not bringing this from uh well, you from the ether my response was if you wanted to develop applications where users had no freedom you could go code for windows I, 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 I was going Macintosh. to say i tooted at him apple i told him apple question mark like i thought it was apple talking to me i was like apple and then i deleted that toot because i knew that this will ignite the conversation even further didn't stop him to keep tooting at me, tooting at me, and at the end, I sent him a toot that caused him to block me. I was like, good riddance. <laughs> Interesting. All right, Josh, what have you been up to, Archboy? Uh, I installed Arch Linux, and I and you know this was this was up until uh, about several hours ago the most stable Arch experience I've had in the past three years, and then it just all fell, fell apart he, on me. He, he, he sent the message in Discord. <laughs> I, I was so happy. I posted it in the Discord. Go like, hey, Arch Linux is actually working. <laughs> Four ears. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he screamed. He screamed at us, there, man. <laughs> he was very excited. Yeah, I was so, I was so excited. You know, like it was actually working for me. It was beautiful. Like, uh, you know, Pac-Man was doing everything it was supposed to. I was getting the parallel downloads going, and then she's like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm just not going to use the parallel downloads." And like, and you know, just take this one download at a time because you know we want Pac-Man to actually work reliably for us. And uh, you know, like it, it was working fine and now today i'm i'm once again having issues with arch linux uh for example apparently my camera feed even though i'm not 100 certain it's the, it's the system it might just be my internet connection uh pac-man 
uh, refuses to install any application. So if I'm going to be installing packages, I have to uh, get clone the package build and build it myself. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, before the chat gets any, before the chat gets to anything, what's going on is that when Pac-Man tries to communicate with the mirror through through either a direct IP address or through a DNS entry, it it will 404 against me. However, I'm still capable of pinging that same address on, on the mirror. I have already wiped and cleaned the database. I've generated a new mirror list. Are you using a VPN, have... Josh? No. There is no VPN running on this system right now. Huh. Something is blocking your connection. I don't think it's Arch. <laughs> it makes you wonder if they've it's... gotten your IP and just like I don't want this guy to use art, so we're blocking his IP address. Well, then, well, then I should. Well, then I shouldn't be able to. So ping. Shouldn't be able to ping it. No, uh, that's but, the reason why I was yeah. thinking. That's why I was thinking it was would be it might be a VPN problem because it, it, a lot of mirrors or whatever have blocked certain VPN VPN IP addresses for no, some reason. I think that, that I, I th that's why that's why I gave it to good old ping test cuz you know if I'm not able to ping the mirror then yeah then yeah. it it would be it would be an issue it would be a connection issue but it's not a connection related issue cuz ping no. works over HTTP so does Pac-Man. Wait, the, I think I know what the, what the what the issue is because I uh, recently there was an update for Arch ISO to 71 version 71 and since i'm a distro maintainer i dig around in that in the relang folder and yeah what they did, so uh, i i even a... rebuilt pac-man from source latest well, and greatest no. but it's not about the testing branch and static it's not about pac-man it's uh in um, mod uh, in uh I'll, I'll i'll tell you in a sec uh it's really interesting what they did uh like ISO zero G AR root FS scintillating they television did. right here, right guys. <laughs> it's called resolved resolved.conf.d in your Etsy folder, system D. Added something called archiso.conf. In there it has uh, something new called resolve multicast DNS enable. Think that's I don't have I don't have a resolve.conf.d folder. Okay. I don't have that directly. Here's the question I have, and I don't know the answer to this question, but Linux keeps logs like a mofo. Does Pac-Man keep its own logs somewhere? Uh I've got it configured to use a system log, so so I went so I go through looking through uh, both journal CTL and the, the system log. And you know, Pac-Man is just doing that normal thing where it's just like, "Hey, uh, I tried connecting to these mirrors, but I'm getting for these 404 errors." Mm. Like, yeah, issue. that's that's great and useful. <laughs> yeah, Pac-Man, Pac-Man is known not to be very verbose on the errors. Weird. Why? <laughs> I I don't rely on it. Oh well, for me personally, guys, I have been messing around with Debian because I started a long-term review this this past week. And I'm doing it a little bit different because I have done a long-term review of Debian before. I know that confused a lot of people. But what I'm doing it doing this time is I'm I'm looking at different ways you can use Debian because before I focused solely on stable. So this time I'm going to be checking out backports. And I'm going to check out testing and stuff like that, and and on multiple different systems and how it works and stuff like that. And, and this should be entertaining. I will say this: yeah. that you don't want to run it. And you still have time to. Uh, and you still have time to test CrunchBank. Oh, uh, it is Debian. 
I'll, I'll, I'll be giving it a try. I don't mind. Um, like I said, I don't mind if Crunch Bang is in a, a VM. It doesn't have to be on hardware. I probably probably will install it on hard on hardware, but we'll see. I mean, my my laptop. But um, anyways, I my only takeaway from Debian so far is that I cannot get Qtile to install. <laughs> That's been my biggest disappointment. Is I cannot get Qtile to install. So they have. Uh, pip blocked, which apparently that's a that's a new thing that a lot of people are doing is blocking pip, Josh, for whatever reason. Um, yep. Because they're they're switching to well, pipx so that everything's in a virtual pip uh, Python environment or whatever, um, which is fine. But Qtile. Well, the main not... reason why uh, Debian made that change is because people would uh, sit there and uh, tell tell pip to install using sudo, which which overrides the uh, the the package system. Database on the locally installed packages, yeah, but that's which leads a, to breaking Debian. That's not a new problem at all. I mean, Pip has been around. Yeah, it's for not a, a new problem whatsoever. It's just that because of the rise of PipX, that means that Debian now can disable Pip. So they did. Well, I re-enabled the damn thing, and it still didn't work. <laughs> um, because I know how to use Pip. Believe it or not, I don't. I know you're not supposed to use it with sudo, um, and it t it t actually tells you not to use it with sudo unless it explicitly needs it. Um, like there's a warning inside a pip that t has told you for years not to use it. Who with reads the, the terminal outputs? Who um, reads them? I do, but I'm a nerd. Um, but anyways, pipx won't work either. But I'm very, I'm so close to getting pipx to work for Qtile. But there's two dependencies that I cannot find packages for on Debian. I'm pretty sure they exist. They just have different names. So I'm still searching for those. Um, one of them, is, one of them is a font. The other one, fuck if I know. Um, also, also having some problems with the way one of the dependencies was compiled. Uh, it didn't have the right flags or something. I don't know. Um, but it's that's been my biggest disappointment on on Debian is I haven't been able to get Qtile to install because uh, that's my de that's my window manager. It's the one that I want to use. Uh, I did give up for a little while and just like I'm, I'm so sick of bashing my head against the wall and just installed BSPWM because that. BSPWM is actually in the Debian repositories. i3 is in the Debian repositories. I think Xmonad is in the Debian repositories, but Qtile is not. Um, um, uh, apparently, Qtile was in the Debian repositories, but they stopped maintaining it so that it, so it was dropped out or something. I don't know. That was many well, uh, iterations ago. Qtile uh, with with the Python three transition, the the version of Qtile that was still in uh, the Debian repositories was still written. For Written against Python too. Well, then Qtile updates Which, so often, it's just yep. it's really hard. It, it would be really hard to you know keep that up to date on Debian where things. It, it it ran into the same exact issue that Qtile on Fedora right now is having, where like the default configuration file that Debian wants to ship with Qtile is incompatible with the version of, of Qtile that they were shipping. So their solution was rather than you know update and fix this configuration file and uh, you know spend some time on it, even though you know. There's a default configuration file you can pull from the from upstream sources. Uh, they they decided, you know what? We'll just remove the package because nobody's willing to maintain this anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think that the Qtile devs use Debian, and they don't compile. They don't put Qtile in any of the repositories. It's main, maintained by other people for Arch. It's maintained by other people for Fedora. Yep. Um. So all, all the only thing that they maintain is the one that comes through pip, which of course. Everyone, uh, Redcore blocked pip too, so it's not the it's not the only dis distro that's blocking pip. Um, so apparently that's Qtile, the. Uh, 
Gitchal is on the AUR or the mainline repositories on our I think it's an uh, extra. Uh, might be in the AUR. I don't know because I... I, I built it from pip on Arch, so <laughs> I, I just always use it from pip because that's, that's usually the most up-to-date one because it comes straight from the guys, right? So, and I, one, one of the packages that I host on my repositories because of you, because of your videos, uh, is Pywall. Oh, Pywall's fantastic. It's so good. Uh, I wish it was still maintained. I really wish I'm gonna it would. keep it there. I'm going to keep it there. Uh, that's because I want to control it. If it disappears from the AUR for whatever reason, yeah. it's still there uh, until it dies on my repo. Well, there, there's a fork of it called Pywall 16. I haven't tried it yet. I do not know if they're interchangeable. I'm hoping that they are because it, it's basically the same thing, but instead of instead of eight colors, it uses 16 colors. So um, I'm going to give that a try. It's Pywall 16 colors. Yeah, it's called Pywall, Pywall, six, uh, Pywall. Pywall 16. Yep. Um, Pywall 16-colors. Yep. I haven't, like I said, I haven't tried it because I don't know if it's interchangeable yet or not because I don't want to have to go through and redo all of my configurations again, but I don't know. Anyways, that's it for that that section. We're going to go ahead and move on to the news. So every week we each choose two different news uh, items. Uh, some of these are from last week. Some of them are new, but they are still relevant and fun to talk about. So, uh, Josh, why don't you go first? Well, uh, I heard that immutable distros were the we're in the new hotness to the point where even Ubuntu is willing to make one specifically for starting with the LTS release coming up next year. Uh, this is immutable Ubuntu. Uh, I don't think they said mentioned anything about like uh, using OS tree or anything like that. But of course, it, it is going to evolve snaps because it's Ubuntu. I don't think you sent me the right link, Josh. So. Uh, if you re-pull the notes in, you'll have the right link. I'm literally got uh, I the link. I got the link from the notes on GitLab. Uh, re refresh the page because I literally updated it right before you joined oh. us. You gotta stop doing that <laughs> that stuff. Stop that. Oh, you, and you fixed the markdown. Thank you for doing that. Yep. There we go. Cool. All right, keep going. But yeah, uh, the. This is starting with Ubuntu 2404, which is the LTS release, which probably means that the that this thing should work. But it's based off of Ubuntu Core, which is not something that I've looked into a whole lot. But it's basically like uh, Ubuntu's variant of like uh, Fedora's Core OS. Uh, I don't like I said, I don't know if it's using OS tree, uh, but it it's cool that you know it's. That you know they're giving it a try, but uh, hopefully, hopefully this encourages them to fix some of the some of the issues that people have with snaps. <laughs> Probably not. Um, everybody. Wow. So the thing about the so the the big uproar with snaps when the Firefox thing trans transitioned over to being a snap, they fixed the Firefox one. But they didn't fix it you know, like system wide. <laughs> like I'm, I'm assuming that that's because the compression that they use needed to have all the apps be rebuilt in that compression format in order to actually work uh, with the new yeah. speed or whatever. And they just decided that they weren't going to do it that, or just maybe it was just for the new ones they decided to allow f the new compression or whatever. But uh, Firefox got faster, but Snaps is still sn slow as hell. 
The big oh. change with Firefox that they made was that the the, the very first time that you that you would launch the Firefox snap, it would be slow. But what, but that's just because it was indexing the uh, locales in the system. Because that's actually what was killing the uh, load time was because Firefox was loading was loading up support for every single locale that was enabled on the system, which was basically everything because it's Ubuntu. Well, now is now it's just indexing whatever whatever the user's uh, lo- locale variable is, which for you and me, Matt, would be U.S. And uh, for Steve, I I think uh, you would use like uh, whatever locality. Yeah, you <laughs> also use US. U.S. Okay, okay, but but yeah, that's what that's what it would load from there, which is what which uh, is why the Firefox app was so much quicker after the very first initial launch. Well, it was always faster at the after the initial launch. That was well, the way I'm, it I'm talking about was. like even. I'm, I'm talking about post uh, like system reboots and everything too. But suppose, but you know, yeah, it's this way it always was. But the supposedly, and I, guys, I haven't tried the Firefox Snap since the original time, but they uh, apparently have made that initial launch even f- faster than it was. Still slow, but not at 40, forty-five to a minute long. Yeah. What I um, what I find strange what I find strange also is that they're going uh, they're enabling uh, cups as a snap. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. Like, like that's exactly what you want is your printing to be even slower than it is now. <laughs> uh, uh, so that, let's go back to this. Here's uh, I don't know much well, at all about Ubuntu. The, the what, more, was Ubuntu Core the um, one that they were using for IoT devices? Was that Ubuntu Core? Or was that something yeah, different? Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the thing for the IoT devices. Yeah. Uh, it. I I don't think you'll be able to install Flatpak on this one, so you might just have to live with the snaps. Okay. Yeah, especially that it's immutable. <laughs> and speaking of immutable, uh, three days ago I had an update to my Steam Deck, which killed everything as usual. Uh, so that prompted my lazy ass write finally write a script that I double click or run in console or whatever, and. It will redo everything every time. That's so, the reason why no, I, I still haven't got onto the desktop version of SteamOS. <laughs> like I still haven't <laughs> even got there. Don't I, if you value your sanity. <laughs> I did. I have been actually using the Steam Deck. I played Skyrim on it for half an hour yesterday. It was fun. Um, but I'm just using it as a game console. I, I don't even get into the next parts of it. Um, <laughs> but this from maintainer, I have to. You don't have we to. We have do. to rice our Steam Deck. <laughs> have to rice my Steam Deck. So <laughs> there you go. The, the mutable Ubuntu thing, I'm I'm conflicted about it. Like I I knew that eventually they were going to, to do it, but I, I think it's a. I think before we like pass any judgments on this, we actually do have to have to see what they come up with. And well, I'm not ju- I'm not going to judge them. I'm just going to mostly say I don't I, I wouldn't use it because of snaps, but. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm not the target of an Ubuntu of anything Ubuntu because I'm not an Ubuntu user. So I, I think that people who who look at Silverblue and think, "Oh, Silverblue is really cool," but I wish it was Ubuntu. This might be for them. I don't know if those people exist or not, but I'm sure there's probably one or two. Um, you, uh, the, the, but guys, do you do you agree that immutable uh, distros are for are a good choice for uh, beginner users? Yeah. I think they will be in the future. I think as as they are I right. I think as they are right now, I, there's more documentation for regular Linux than there is for immutable distros. So uh, I think that eventually that will change. But as of right now, I think that regular Linux is probably immutable distros. Uh, 
immutable distros are what and the Steam Deck, well, the Steam Deck being separate, but uh, immutable distros are what are helping Flatback grow even more. Well, that's that's true. The reason the reason why I came up with my answer is because just just think about it. If if you guys let's just say this Ubuntu thing was already a thing and somebody was using it and they ran into a problem, they're going to Google how to fix that problem. That yep. that problem they're, is going to have a solution. Yeah, they're not going to Google Ubuntu Core. They're going to no. they're uh, going to Google Ubuntu, Ubuntu if they even know that they're running Ubuntu. Yeah, and they're, and they're going to get a response that was written ten years ago to fix that problem. But you, and they may they may they may very well get that problem fixed on the immutable version of Ubuntu. But the next time you know it comes through, you know it's going to wipe out the fix. So um, I, I think that until the internet catches up on terms of general documentation for that particular version of Ubuntu. And same thing with Silver Blue and Kino White and all the rest. Uh, regular. Good on you, good on you Matt. Good on you, Matt. You're, you're, you took a step back and you're, look, you're looking at it from the uh, broader perspective. That's a good way of looking at yeah, that, yeah. That said, for like the person that uh, still needs to be able to like drop in and modify like a system shell or anything like that, uh, the, the idea behind like these immutable distros is that you shouldn't ever have to do that. Uh, if you have, if you ever actually have to do that, you need to be filing a bug report rather than fixing it. Well, or so, like, you need to create your own yeah. ISO beforehand, right? Yeah, or you can create your your own ISO, which actually I found out for Silverblue is actually incredibly easy, incredibly easy. Did you uh, use you blue, or did you use the one from Fedora itself? Uh, you. It doesn't matter. You can use either you. Well, I know. Or I know. I'm. Or the one from I know you can use both of them. That's why I asked you which one you use. Yeah. Uh, I'm using the Ublu one because you know it comes with RPM Fusion enabled out of the box, mm-hmm. as well as sev- as well as all the proper UDEV rules. That way, I don't have to write them myself. Plus, so, they have a whole bunch uh, of ones for NVIDIA too, the Ublu guys. So, um, and the Fedora yep, one ig- ignores uh, Fedora completely, as they you normally do. So, yeah. Yep. But uh, I, I'm I'm going to be digging through like Ubuntu Core OS and just just see like what I can d- go into it because to co- this I think that this project is going to be based off of Ubuntu Core OS. I think they mentioned they mentioned it in the article. article. Yeah, I, yeah. I admit I didn't really read it. I just saw the headline and then I just gave it a very quick skim. So <laughs> before we move on, here's my next question. So Fedora has Silverblue, uh, OpenSUSE has MicroOS, Ubuntu is going to have whatever they call this thing, um, and I. Maybe I'm making this up in my head, but I feel like I heard Debian talk about it. I don't think they have any plans yet, but they've talked about it. Um, so the, the, the real question I have is, when are we going to hear about an Arch, ba- like an actual Arch-sponsored immutable um, distro? Because you know, uh, that is n- never. That is not the SteamOS. That is not the SteamOS. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a derivative. It, it's it's not going to happen because of the way because of the Arch philosophy. Mm. Really, it uh, Arch is just uh, is just build the package and throw it at the user and let the user figure it out themselves. That is the Arch philosophy. If you're that is that is a very brutal summarization of what it says in that document, but that's basically what it says. I wonder with the with the Arch install script if there'd be a way for them to add like an immutable option. You know what I mean? Like, well, here you can actually do that. Uh, there, there are containers that you can that you can that 
there is an Arch Linux Docker image that you can also use on Podman. And that's literally how Silverblue operates, is that it's bas- that is that your system is is just a container. All The only thing that you need to set is, like, whatever needs to be set as to be, like, mutable or a uh, variable in a volume. And that would be, like, the user home directory. Yeah. It'd be so, interesting. yeah, you can theoretically do it with Arch. You can do that with Arch right now. Well, uh, it'd be cool if it could, like, automate it as, as part of that script or something. Anyways, uh, Steve, your first link. My first link is going to be, I'm going to start light because the, the one after that is a longer discussion. News that the QT 5.15 is uh, LTS is the end of life. Was, and uh, it got un- end of life on May 26, 26 2023. So uh, they're, op- they're opening the door, uh, the way or paving the way for QT 6. So yeah, they set the the Qt five dot fifteen as end of life, who so everyone moves on to Qt six because Qt six is coming at the end of the year apparently, uh, with plasma six. On that, yeah. Um, did you? So what Qt does five dot twenty seven use? Is that five sixteen five seventeen? No, five fifteen dot nine. So they ended the end of life a QT that's still in use by everybody. Yeah. Uh, 5.15 is the is the, the commercial commercial, one. commercial version. Oh, of, uh, right. I forgot QT yeah. did that. Right. Okay. Yeah, QT does LTS releases, and uh, the the commercial versions of QT are the ones that uh, raise the all the issues life. with uh, you know the free software project and all that. Yeah, those are the ones that reached the uh, end of life, not the QT used by Plasma. Since Plasma is anyway moving to Qt6, might as well start ending life. <laughs> Qt5.15. Isn't 5.27 an LTS release of Plasma? 27. Uh, uh, Plasma is, but that, that doesn't mean that's Qt version is. No, Plasma is not. It's not well. Uh, so will 5.20. Well, <laughs> maybe I'm just being an idiot. I'm probably. Never mind. I'm just being an idiot. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Uh, so th- this link here is yes, it was from last week, but we should probably still talk about it, even though it has been updated. So th- for those of you, like five people who use the XFS file system on. Um, I, I, I'm gonna get so much hate mail for that because I know there's more than five people that use X. See if you use XFS, don't you? Yeah, it's the default on Zero Linux. Lame. ButterFS is where it's at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, for for the five people plus Steve who use XFS, if um, there was an announcement last week that they should stay away from uh, Linux version six point three, um, and because they've had multiple mm. reports, I can of- explain even more because I'm the XFS professional. That's good because uh, well, I don't. <laughs> anyway, it feels like you don't want to talk about it, really. I really don't. Um, uh, it, yeah, I should have changed the, the link, but it's okay. But anyways, they had, they've had multiple reports of metadata corruption issues on the XFS file system, and but it has been fixed. So Josh sent a link. It's in the show notes as well that they have pushed out six point three to five, which is apparently a one line fix uh, to fix the uh, problem. Reverted. So. They reverted a commit. That's all they did. Uh, but the the uh, this affected server uh, server users because at, in the server space XFS is still still widely used. Uh, so that affected them more than it affected users. That didn't stop users also reporting 
sometimes I have a hard time uh, believing some users because some users just want to jump on the bandwagon and say I'm having the issue when they're not really. Because I use XFS and I did not suffer a single issue the whole time this was going on. Uh, so, but the because a lot of because the, the way you're using your system affects if you're affected by this bug or not. Uh, uh, for example, HTPCs they index everything. Anything that gets indexed, like uh, that has metadata, like pictures, movies, and, and stuff like that. I don't have pictures. I don't have anything on the system. I didn't feel anything. But on my HTPC, uh, since I'm running Manjaro on it, they didn't really update. Uh, until 6.3.5 came, uh, but uh, I would have suffered on that system because there's a lot of indexing. Wait going a on by wait, hold hold on a second. I was just vaguely listening while I was reading this. Did, did you say you have Manjaro on your HTPC? Did I hear had that it for the past? I had uh, it that's that is what he said. Had it on that <laughs> system for three for the past three years. It, it, this year it uh, it uh, reached its third year. No issues. I'm a distro maintainer. I know how to run a to run a system. So uh, I know. <laughs> I'm not gonna break well, it. First, first, so, hold, hold on. So you, first you know all, how to roll back your system clock. That that that, <laughs> that was a dig right at you, Josh. I'm just saying. Also, um, <laughs> rude. But but second of all, are you are unless I'm wrong. After all these years, you are the the zero Linux maintainer, but you're using Manjaro on it. Isn't that some kind of conflict of interest? Let me let me explain it quite simply. This had Manjaro way before Zero Linux was born, and you just haven't changed it. Okay, is, is it... I, I didn't want to change it because it was working, and the only time I turned this on, like I just turned it on before the show, because my dad is watching uh, uh, Blacklist. That PC. Uh, uh, I figured he was watching The Matrix. <laughs> that's no, that's the, just the backdrop. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, uh, for like the hi higher or for like the lower level overview as to what this uh, XFS issue is, it's it's a metadata bug that that comes from the journal, and uh, basically the you wouldn't encounter the issue until XFS would actually go in and rescrub the journal, which you know is what a journaling file system is supposed to do. Uh, ideally, it does that on XFS by default, assuming that nobody. Uh, no distribution tinkers with it or anything like that. Uh, XFS will rescrub the journal at least once every two weeks. So it's entirely possible that you might have been running the 6.3 kernel and just never ran into it. Because uh, how long has like 6.3.4 actually been out now and available for you? Not very long at all. So it's, it's entirely possible that the, that the system just didn't scrub. Oh. Well, since 6.3 to 6.3.5, there was 11 or 12 days. Yep. What? So let's bypass the news because honestly, that, that now that it's fixed, and I'm happy it's fixed, I don't care anymore. Steve, explain to me the benefits of XFS over Butterfs. I'm just curious because I don't know. I don't. I literally know nothing about XFS. So explain it to me in dummy dummy terms. Okay. You want to know? Uh, I'm gonna be very honest. There's only I'm gonna one. Dispel it. I'm gonna I'm gonna dispel this right away. Oh, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no, uh, with the recent updates of ButterFS, maybe. But uh, when I started using ButterFS, the, the, it was better to use XFS, and I've been using it ever since. So, so what's good uh, about what, what's good about XFS? What, what what does it do? Only one thing. Only one thing that matters to me. I don't care about anything else. Uh, it's 
uh, like today, had to copy uh, Diablo 4 from an SSD to a mechanical drive. They're both XFS. Uh, I format everything in XFS. Uh, oh, I, I transferred eight, 90 gigs four minutes. Um, usually, when I do that on EXT4, example, it would take uh, anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes because of the mechanical drive and uh, overhead, and I would see my CPU pegged at 70 to 80 uh, percent. When I move to XFS, my CPU is barely touched. It's and it's quick and smooth like butter. So it's the only reason I use XFS. So speed. It's the only reason. Josh. Speed and stability. Technical reasons oh. why you had something to say about XFS. What, what, what's okay. your? Okay. Okay. So the reason why XFS is Long so much version. quicker at that. The long version. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a nature of how XFS treats data compared to EXT4. So apparently, Steve Steve is not man enough to use ButterFS. But anyways, so when you're when you're writing a file to XFS, you're just writing the file. When you're writing the file to EXT4, you're actually not writing the file to the file system initially. You're writing it to what's called an inode, and uh, that inode will then split everything up into metadata chunks. Then we'll write to the file system. That's why EXT4 has a much much heavier write overhead compared to a read overhead. XFS, by that nature, because of XFS's commercial enterprise deployments, deployments because you know it is the default file system of Red Hat. Uh, it it will not. Uh, they developed it so that it will just write the data straight to the file system. No bull, no no bullcrap needed in between. So because it, uh, XFS. It, because XFS was in, initially intended to, the uh, the one true file system that you use for your databases before anybody even conceived of anything like copy on write. Okay, so the, it doesn't have any special like snapshot or anything like that. It's just meant for speed. Nope. Okay. It is pure. It is purely fast. It's not as fast as like F2FS. It's not that fast, but uh, it. But it is. It's. It's that file system that's been around for like thirty plus years. It has always been fast. It is will it will it continue was originally, to be fast. It, and it was originally it was intended, owned uh, uh, by Silicon Graphics, right? Yeah, it was started by Silicon Graphics. So it'd be good for it'd be good if you had like two NASs or whatever that had to constantly transfer uh, data between the two of them, but you weren't really worried about you know like uh, snapshots or anything like that. Because uh, not 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 your NAS. Not your NAS. I'm talking about like your storage area network. I'm talking about like your big boy servers, your Sands. data center. Okay, centers. Sans. Okay. You might yeah. you might as well call my HTPC big boys uh, server because it's got like over a hundred terabytes of movies and TV shows. So. Okay. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's 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 fast and it's not like F2FS. F2FS is, uh, needs a, a little bit of configuration and stuff to do uh, from what I from the limited knowledge that I have around it. Where XFS is just, it just works. Yeah, I've been using ButterFS on my systems and then EXT4 on my external hard drives. I don't, I, I just, reason, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that ButterFS is bad. I, I like ButterFS and the fact that it supports uh, snapshotting. The only caveat I have, the only thing that angers me with ButterFS, which is apparently coming, it's going to be fixed in a future release of ButterFS whenever that comes. Is that when it may it does snap take snapshots? 
uh, when it takes snapshots, it puts them on the same drive as the system. It doesn't give you the option to take snapshots and put them on a separate drive. You can, like, you can, you can change that. You, you can change it. You just have to do it manually. Well, I, uh, from all the research I did, it says snapshots on the same drive well, cannot it, be done. It uh, just the the dot snapshots directory or whatever can be put. At least as far as I know, wherever you want it to be, you just have to. Because the the way ButterFS from from you, know, you got to remember most of the time I just automate it so um, it, it's done the way the distro maintainer yeah, you know sets it up yeah but the grub, it, uh, grub but, but you and stuff like that it's mounted via uh, FS tab so you can mount it just like you would you know any drive at all it's just yeah you put it in FS tab uh, and that's uh, apparently it the might, reason they said. Maybe you can't because of some kind of permissions error or something like that. My my guess is that the limitation there would be that when you try to roll back, the permissions would be different because the permissions on the Josh would probably know better than I would. But the the permission okay. the permissions uh, on the external drive, if you were to put your snapshots on another drive, it would be different. Maybe that's the reason why they say that. But I'm not sure what the technical limitations. Okay. Uh, what am I supposed to answer? Right, uh, my neighbor was just it's just started raining outside my neighbor was knocking on the door telling me that my windows were down oh <laughs> very nice neighbor i i would have said like, yep. i would just pointed and laughed so <laughs> um <laughs> so, no we were we were just discussing the the butterfest putting the snapshots directory on another drive and apparently you can't do that it, i thought it, you could you, I, no I, uh, no you can't yeah i thought i thought oh, you could it's because it's just mounted via um, FS tab, so you, it's just an FS tab entry, and, and it can go. With, uh, well, I mean, even even when you call ButterFS snapshot, you can just you can just direct the outputs output of the snapshot wherever you want, just like you would a normal file. Yeah, when, but but the the, the there uh, there was a annou announcement uh, somewhere like a, a month or two ago that ButterFS is going to receive an update where uh, you you will be able to uh, set. Snapshots uh, I think that more has. To, I think that has more to do with with defaults because that by default it is on the same drive. Like yeah, uh, by maybe. default, it, it defaults to the same drive, and most of the ButterFS utilities like a uh, time shift snapper and all that they they will default to the same drive. As and well. they all look for it in ideally, the same place. So yeah, because ideally that's what you should be doing with your file system snapshots to begin with anyway. And then if you need to send the snapshot snapshot off to a separate separate driver or separate system you're just using butterfs send and receive yeah um, no because the, I, the reason i said it's a it's a thing i don't like about butterfs is because the, the the thought in my head is because i suffered this multiple times what if the the actual system drive i will take well, the system the snapshots and everything with it well if the system's try if the system drive dies you have way more problems then yeah, could, but because if you had them on a on a separate drive, you'd be Steve, a, you'd, Steve, you'd be safe. Steve, it's called hardware. That's going to happen anyway. Well, uh, okay, use a backup. So, so here here's the misconception a lot of people have. I don't know if this is, is where you're counting a problem, Steve. Is that ButterFS snapshots are not a backup of anything other than a certain portion of the system files. Okay, it's not backing up your personal data at all. That's still your responsibility, and if you are doing a proper backup solution, you could back up your yeah. .snapshots directory just like you would all of your other personal files and have those things there. So it's it's not Use time a, shift. 
basically yeah. use time shift. Well, well, it's 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 not a total backup solution. That's why anybody it it, it, it it can be confusing because you hear people talk about how ButterFS enables you to do snapshots, and you just assume that it's kind of like ZFS snapshots, but they're not the same thing. It, it it's it's it can be confusing, but um, I like ButterFS just because it's kind of like a. a it's an Arch Linux base. It's it's an Arch Linux fail safe. If you're on Arch and you make a, a mistake in you know true, configuration file or there's an update or something like that, chances are your butterfest no is going to save you. No so. argument. No arguments there. It's just for me, my preference is uh, what I do is every every time I want to store my system or do a fresh install or whatever, take a full backup. Uh, I mean, home directory backup because the system doesn't matter. Uh, 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 mo most times, doesn't matter. Uh, I'm just uh, such a happy little nerd right now. We're talking about file systems. Sorry. <laughs> I back up and, my no, and none of us actually know how they actually work. Nobody knows how it works. It's fine. It doesn't matter if we know how to work. It's 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 great. <laughs> I I back up with time shift on a separate drive. I have a drive that. Uh, uh, is if I tell you how old that drive is, you're gonna kill me. Uh, that drive, is that the only drive you're backing up to? Don't have I don't have money to buy more drives. Uh, but uh, the, that drive is 12 years old. It's a mechanical drive, and it's a 500 gig SATA drive, mechanical drive, 5400 RPM, very old. Uh, but it's reliable and. It's. I've been backing up. I back up. I create a backup on that drive. Restore my system. Uh, install my system. Restore. And the best part of it is, I love flat packs because once it's restored and you have your application installed, like OBS, I just open OBS. I'm back up and running like I never left. Okay, so everybody, just a pro tip: if you use flat packs, make sure every once in a while you go through your .var. Uh, directory yeah. and delete thing out up. things that you no longer use because that shit can take up a lot of space. Um, well, so, you can do flatback uh, remove dash dash unused. Oh, I, I just learned something new. I did it manually. Um, cool. <laughs> dash dash unused. I use flatbacks. I live by flatbacks. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to you on a flatback. <laughs> I actually have been using fairly few flatbacks now that I'm back on Arch. But anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the contact information. Otherwise, we're, we're going to... Installing AUR packages again? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, we better move on to the, to the contact information before I start talking about my adventures in RAID 0. <laughs> well, no. otherwise, we're going to say you're nerd out about file systems for the next two hours. And <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, we could. Um, it'd be great. And Anyway, because we didn't even get... We didn't even talk about ZFS or any of that stuff. It could... It could could get on for a while. Anyways, um, no, but I'm not going to talk about ZFS in any positive light until it's natively inside my kernel upstream. Yeah, well, we could also talk about many other file systems, and we could talk about. Uh, we could just nerd out for a while. But anyways, if you want to get in contact with us, if you'd like to nerd out about literally anything, you can get in contact with us. We're happy to hear from you. Uh, the linuxcast.org is probably the best place where you can find all of our stuff. You'll there you'll find previous episodes all the way back to season one, uh, all the way back to episode four, I believe. The first three are uh, not there. Uh, I do have them, 
but uh, they're <laughs> those are for re-release later. <laughs> they, like Disney used to do with like Bambi or something. You're they're holding in the, them ransom. They're in, they're in the vault or something. I don't know. Uh, anyways, you can go to linuxcast.org to find previous episodes along with blog posts and stuff like that. Uh, you can follow us on Mastodon at the Linuxcast. You can follow Steve. He's on YouTube at youtube.com slash at zero Linux along with all sorts of other places. Uh, Josh is at uh, tenleyj.com slash stalker, which is where you'll find all of his contact information. You can email us at email at the linuxcast.org and uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast and, find, and you can sub- subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash linuxcast and uh, you can find all of this stuff at the linuxcast.org slash contact. Did all of that from memory, so I hopefully I didn't miss anything. I think I did good. And um, you see this? That's, that's Gnome with ButterFX. <laughs> now I want to boot to GNOME. I just put that in my system. Boot to GNOME with ButterFS and enjoy a good stable life. You know what? I don't think I quite like butter. <laughs> yes. All right. Anyways, that's the contact information. Let's go ahead and move on to the new, the the rest of the news. So, Steve, your second uh, link here. Mon de, mon second. Ben bon, d'accord. Pas de problème. Fedora Onyx become uh, an official Fedora Linux immutable variant. I'm pretty sure he switched from French, French, French <laughs> to, to to just a French accent there. <laughs> so that's <laughs> French. Did, 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 you, did you run out of French? <laughs> bon, uh, this is a very good uh, post uh, because uh, <laughs> every week he does this to us. <laughs> well, it's, uh, suffice it to say that there's a new immutable version of Fedora that's running Budgie desktop environment. Uh, I love this because Budgie has been receiving a lot of uh, lifting support uh, and it, it's been moving on to, uh, positively and uh, and I want this desktop environment to succeed because it makes GNOME usable. Well, uh, it's not going to be based on GNOME for long, though. Yeah, they're, well, <laughs> they're moving we'll on see. to whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see when they Once get to the, the ice. The, 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 they say ice. They say uh, oh, no, no, they're moving to they EFL say... right now, right? They changed it from they looked at ice and decided with the the EFL libraries, right? Change their minds uh, yep. uh, the, the way and, I change my trousers. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my point. <laughs> um, well, anyway, it's it's a great idea, minus the immutable part. Uh, but uh, I love the idea of uh, of Budgie on Fedora because I like Fedora. I if anybody asked me if I weren't running Arch, what would I be running? I would say Fedora in a heartbeat. Uh, if uh, once they fix their slow stuff, which they're working on because mm-hmm. they're ditching the uh, the old uh, uh, system, DNF system. Yep, DNF five is coming very soon. A lot of people are actually using it already. There's a way you can use it now. So yeah, yeah. If you're on so, Fedora 38, just uh, sudo DNF install DNF five. Um, or if you're using Rawhide, you can use it. Um, I think out of yeah, the box. But, yeah. I, uh. Of late, Fedora has been receiving a lot of new spins. Well, a lot of a lot. immutable spins, yeah. Mutable spins, yeah. Uh, it's it's intriguing. 
Uh, it's largely off the back of. It's largely off the back of the U Blue team, where uh, they're they're the ones that are making the spins, and then Fedora is eventually going like, "Hey, you want to make you want to make an official one for us? Since you already since you already put in all the work for us, sure, why not?" Well, uh, didn't, the... didn't, didn't, didn't Brody interview one of the U Blue developers, George Castro? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the uh, lead developer behind the U Blue project. Uh, was an interesting episode. But anyway, sorry, I'm not plugging. I just I just remembered it off the top of my head. I don't trust Budgie at all. But the, I, I will tell you this: the, the the guy behind Budgie, he's a great salesman because he gets it everywhere. Like, <laughs> like, like he's managed to get Budgie everywhere, which is impressive. Yeah, uh, Josh Strobel is actually one of my favorite uh, open source developers. <laughs> you, you mean you haven't pissed him off so much that he's blocked you? Is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, he he has blocked me before, but he unblocked me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no, but. To, suffice it to say that, uh, to me personally, if I were to use a GNOME and enjoy it uh, the way I like to enjoy stuff, you know, customization nerd. Well, <laughs> the, it's really even now it's not GNOME, okay? Whatever. It, I mean, it, it looks like GNOME because they use GTK applications, but it's not. It's, like it's, it's the same set, uh, settings app, just reorganized. It's the same. Uh, it's the same oh, setting same app everything. now. They used to, they used to have settings in two different places, but that was that's been yeah, ages. They ago. still do. Oh, do they? I hope the, the Raven yeah. the the Raven menu still has its own settings thing, or what do they whatever yep. they call it? Uh, the budget I, settings panel. Yeah. I I just like I just like uh, nothing wrong with liking. I'm just saying it's not gonna. I'm, <laughs> I'm very. <laughs> you're gonna be very disappointed eventually. Whatever and, they move to, uh, whatever they move to, uh, they're, they're doing a good job. Uh, well, Bungie is 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 a has a future, has a bright future. I see, but it's a very slow one. Yeah, very very slow one. <laughs> so. Correct me if I'm wrong. So they're they're moving to EFL. What the Pop OS guys with their new Cosmic desktop? They're using are they using Ice? Is that was that their plan? Uh, yeah. The Pop OS guys are the ones using Ice. Okay, yeah, yeah that, that's what, I always get those two confused for a little because I always I know that they yeah. it was around the same time that they announced those two things. So you know what uh, what uh, what pisses me off most about uh, Pop OS. It's the fact they're not sharing how they're doing their NVIDIA black voodoo magic so we can all figure out a way to fix it. Uh, so the, the main re they, they've explained this before, and it's because System76 has this rather unique relationship as distro maintainers compared to like everybody else where, you know, System76 actually sells hardware. And uh, th they can work with NVIDIA on like those proprietary drivers, which mm. gives them that advantage that uh, nobody that nobody else has. But you can you can grab the DKMS models and get get like an image of that black magic. You could also <laughs> well, the, the just abandon Arch and make a a fork of Pop OS. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, no. But the the the, the issue is uh, uh, recently. I don't know where they started popping off from. But some users of Zero Linux or Arch in general, because it's an Arch thing. Uh, some users, I don't, uh, desktop and laptop, after installing the NVIDIA drivers, be it TKG or Vanilla, they get stuck on Nouveau. They can't switch from Nouveau to the proprietary driver, and I. Do not understand where that issue is coming from. I hope 535 drivers solve the issue, finally. 
Just blacklist the Nouveau uh, kernel module. Yeah, Dude. but they, uh, usually it never happened. Just, just use Gen 2. Switch. Use flags solve everything. Yep, they really do. <laughs> <laughs> Gen, Gen 2 will literally solve this issue for you. All you have to do is just uh, not is just tell it minus Nvidia. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to play a game, you can't minus Nvidia. <laughs> Sure you can. I mean, you, you, who you needs frame rates? Nubo. You know, you don't. Okay, need, minus you, Nvidia from your from your desktop and replace it with a with a with a beautiful red card. Yes, that's exactly what you should do. All right, Josh. It doesn't even have to be a red card. Wait, wait until we get that blue card here in here, here in about the, a year or two. Nobody. <laughs> Intel's going to ruin everything, as they usually do. All right, <laughs> Josh, your second link. Uh, so I said that we were going to be talking about Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft obviously loves Linux. They they went out and they finally they finally acknowledged and released it. You can download this. It is Azure Linux. Have you? Uh, this is not stupid. Azure. Have, have you downloaded, yeah, have I downloaded it? Downloaded it. Yes. <laughs> I figured. Uh, it, it, <laughs> It, I'm it actually, works I'm, in virtual I'm honestly a little surprised that you're not trying to do the podcast from it. <laughs> well, you see, uh, I, I decided I was going to rebuild the server rack uh, this morning, and uh, you know, I, I wasn't about to like try to hop up on it. I was actually just about to do NomoS again, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was an episode. Ganom, Ganom. All right, go ever, ahead. Ever read, uh, at least, at least no works. <laughs> uh, what desktop environment does it use, or is it just DTY? Uh, it, this is, there is no desktop environment. In fact, uh, Xorg is not even packaged on uh, Azure Linux because Azure Linux is specifically not a fork of Fedora. And uh, if you read this uh, dev class here, uh, they might mention something about Embrace Extend Extinguisher and how they didn't want to uh, come come too close to that, and uh, that's why they didn't fork fork Fedora because they are totally not embracing or extending the goal of extinguishing here. Swear. Okay. Okay. But what? What? So what, what, what? It's their did, own base. They're using what base are they using? Or did they actually? Uh, they, this is actually basically Linux from scratch that just happens to feature RPM. I'm not surprised they didn't do what what Google did with Chrome OS and just use Gen two. I, I, no, I mean I'm I'm serious. Like, I'm surprised that they didn't. Because I mean Gen two gives you so much control. Oh, it's, micro it's Microsoft. Come on, they don't want encourage anything. They want to create. I mean, their no, own no, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't mean it gives the users more control. I, Have I you, you ever used you. Chrome OS? <laughs> Uh, I guarantee you that uh, they that they, they didn't want to do uh, Gen two, as you know. Apparently, Gen two is hard and complicated. Oh, <laughs> LFS is easier. Like LFS is easier. <laughs> uh, LF, L, LFS, you just read the book, you copy paste commands, and it works. <laughs> Oh, the boy. the only reason why the only times that LFS is difficult is when you accidentally copy copy paste the command twice. And then you have to go back and figure out what you did wrong. Okay, sounds like you're <laughs> coming from a uh, experienced person. <laughs> okay, uh, but, I wonder why uh, they it's, specifically it's... mentioned. Uh, it feels weird that they specifically mentioned Fedora. Like it's like they thought about forking Fedora. Okay, 
There, there's a reason for this because CBL Mariner actually was pulling downstream from Fedora. A lot of enterprise Linux is downstream oh, it's, Fedora. It's it's uh our, the reason why they mentioned it was because it's an RPM based distro. Okay, so they're using the package yep, it, it, sys, packaging they, system. Yeah, they they are using the Red Hat package manager. Hmm. Which which version? Five or the old one? <laughs> uh, probably using probably, the old it's one. It's probably version four or something. It, yeah. I I don't even I don't even think you have DNF. I think you just have to use RPM directly. I know. Okay. So there is no there. This is not a yummy package manager. No, R RPM is the one that, that they were they're using. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, this is basically just just enough operating system to run Kubernetes, which basically is just containers. It's a it's just a container first uh, di distribution. Uh, it is based off of uh, it is used built using RPMs uh, over an OS tree container, and uh, that's basically it. Basically. If you've used uh, Silverblue, uh, this is uh, this is Silverblue, but not Silverblue. Without all Silverblue. the fluff on top of it. Yep. Hmm. Pretty much. Okay. It's a good thing to see Microsoft Josh, doing something in the Linux world. Challenge. Build this thing up so you can actually use it. <laughs> uh, probably, that involves a lot of compiling from it's source. Probably not going to happen. I know. I I was uh, mostly yeah, that was mostly it, tongue in cheek. <laughs> I mean, I could probably make it work. It it'll just take me a very long time because uh, when was the last time I've actually had to manually compile Xorg or any kind of X application? It's been about, it's been about ten years. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't tried to do a complete. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, I wonder. Okay, so here's the real question: Is why they decided to release it? Because it doesn't seem like uh, like because Amazon has forked a whole bunch of open source projects to make their own, and never released anything back into the community. Um, Microsoft too has has taken in open source projects in the past and never released anything back. So I wonder why this time they decided to release something to the public. It feels it feels not Microsofty. That makes sense. Uh, because Microsoft loves Linux. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like no, they if they loved Linux, they wouldn't <laughs> be still be prodding out Windows every, every time. Uh, it, I mean, it, it is honestly probably the easiest way to just just uh, claim to be GPL compliance. It's just like, hey, you oh, can download yeah. this. Yeah, that's that's yeah, probably. It, it's also given the fact that they own GitHub, maybe they're looking for some. Use community contribution or something. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they're looking for free labor. Um, but with yeah, it, pretty much. But, but then, of course, like NVIDIA open sourced their blobs and stuff like that, and then didn't they weren't actually using any of the Git features to take in commits. So maybe they'll do the same. Maybe Microsoft will do the same thing on this and, and just have it there and never. Well, it'll just be a repository yeah. that sits there forever with nothing. Uh, on it or something. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking exactly because, hey, what the hell? We'll show the users that we're doing something, but not actually do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, they had they have another Linux um, distro that's for their IoT stuff. Is what is it like? Is that called like Globes OS or something? What the hell is that called? Because uh, that was something else. It was for, it was it was for their IoT stuff. I 
I don't think I don't think there's two. The only other the only other Linux distribution that I know that Microsoft has done anything with was CBL Mariner, which was basically just like a was like I think that's what it was. So they're the same thing. Uh, Yeah, they're the same thing. CBL Mariner was basically just like the alpha version of this. And the the only other non Linux Linux distro that's being used by someone that's not in the Linux world is the uh, Intel distro. I forgot the name of it. Yeah, Clear Linux. Clear Linux. Yeah, it's created by a hardware manufacturer. Yeah, Clear Linux. So, so is we're the, getting more and more of those. So we got like three or four right now by hardware manufacturers. So is this thing thing called Edge? The one that we just talked uh, about? Maybe. I'm, I'm not 100 percent certain. Okay, because uh, they they have. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I just don't actively look at like uh, Microsoft's involvement with Linux, other than you know I know that they're part of uh, the steering committee and all that. All right, so they have a they do have another one. It's called Azure IoT Edge, and that was released yeah. in January. I don't think that it's available to download, but I might be wrong. Um, it's probably not. And it might just... I may, maybe this is something completely different. Google, I think Google has led me wrong here. Um, yeah. No, it's correct. I don't know. It's, it's uh, Azure Stack Edge. I don't know. You can try it. You can try it for free and download. Because you can run it in WSL. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. We're we're probably f- completely messing that up. It it doesn't really matter. I was just curious because you know, we're, we're Linux guys. Uh, we don't know this Windows stuff. Well, <laughs> like when, when was the last time any of us have actually used? I mean, I used WSL maybe like four four years ago when it first came out, but since then I haven't even touched it. So I don't. Yeah, I have uh, never uh, touched WSL. Well, Azure Azure Stack Edge, you, you try it on the cloud. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, I don't think that they're Cloud-based. ever. Cause I don't I don't I don't know. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the last one. Uh, for so for this one is mine. Red Hat. So, the title of this one on LWN really got people up in arms, and it's really not that big a deal. But Red Hat it says Red Hat is dropping support for LibreOffice, and like everybody like. If you read the comments, some of the comments are <laughs> freaking the fuck out. Uh, I mean, it's like, like, how do enterprise users do without an Office suite? Do they run Microsoft Office 365 in their browser or Google Docs? Um, That's exactly what they do. Well, probably, probably what they did before LibreOffice was gone for support. So basically what this is is that Red Hat has been maintaining the packages, the RPM packages for... Uh, Fedora and Red Hat for a very long time. LibreOffice does not yeah, support their and, uh, own packages, and they never have, other than the stuff that they put out on their website, right? So the distro maintainers have been responsible for packaging and distributing LibreOffice for a long time. They do not want to do that anymore, specifically because now Flatpak exists. So basically what yeah. this is is they're just moving LibreOffice from an, an RPM package to a Flatpak flat pack package and that's the way people will get LibreOffice. and and i tweeted about this earlier don't be surprised when this is not the last one that this happens to so so red hat maintains a lot of packages that are rpm there are rpm packages right now slowly over time they're going to stop supporting those completely and 
anything that's possible to be a flat pack is going to be a flat pack. Just the right. way it's going to happen. They're going to be doing the... Canonical has been doing this for five years, moving things away from being dead packages and packaging them as snaps I because mean, it's easier for them to maintain. The reason why when you go to projectsilverblue.org, it says this is the future of Fedora. Because it, it is and the future of Fedora. Fedora. It's also the future... <laughs> and, and Yeah, it's because it's the, also the future of Red Hat. It's the way things are going to go. Um, even if it doesn't yep. go completely... I mean, the mutable thing, I think, is going to be you know, a mixture between, you know, regular Linux and immutable for quite a long time. But Flatpak, the Flatpak future is here for Fedora and for RHEL. It's just the way it's, it's the way they want it. It, it makes, plus it makes sense because there's no, there's no sense in them maintaining a, basically what, may, uh, you know, a, a downstream version of LibreOffice when the Flatpak version is always going to get the updates first, you know, it, because it's the official one, it just makes sense for that newer package to always be the thing, and for them not to to expend any. Plus, 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 and I uh, this is me talking the customizer here. Flat uh, packs are, for some reason, get use themes better. <laughs> for some reason, uh, like I, when I was using the regular repository package of uh, LibreOffice. And I'm using Layen. For some reason, uh, you know where it says the uh, formatting, the lines, and everything? They were black on black, black on gray. Mm. When I installed the flat pack, it's using the Layen theme, but correctly. So, yeah, uh, do, you, do you know why? Why? Because Arch Linux does not pack GTK support for uh, LibreOffice pr properly. Also doesn't. It also doesn't package spell check or any of the other stuff. It's dumb and that's another reason why the, why uh red hat is probably dropping the rpm package because well, it makes no sense to like it's just a multiplication of effort well and you always have to you have to compile everything with the external dependencies you have to include all of the you know dictionaries for hun spell and everything if you want to support multiple languages which most you know people want well, to do i installed you know? I, I installed the flat pack version of LibreOffice just before the show to see what it includes, what it doesn't include, it just includes the English dictionary. It doesn't well, include any. Yeah, of and the I other. I understand, but I'm just just saying there are how to install how to install the separate uh, dictionaries if not from within the app itself. Well, then I think there are flat pack versions of the other dictionaries available. I'm no, not. I tried. I, I no? checked. I checked. No, not yet, at least. So there's only English, and to, to support any other languages, you have to install the spell checker, I mean, the language support via the plugin, whatever, thingy of LibreOffice. Yeah, there's not. I, I thought that maybe now. there would be. But yeah, there's not. But when, um, when it comes to Arch, you can install them uh, as separate packages. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know. Flexibility <laughs> here, no flexibility there. Maybe they're going to... Because if they if they integrate all the dictionaries in the same flat pack uh, package, the flat pack package is going to end up being a gig big. It's going to be yeah. a gig. Uh, Matt, rather than, rather than running flat pack install, maybe you want to be running a flat pack search for LibreOffice. Yeah, I know. And that that would show you everything for it. I just really did. Thinking. I just did. There was there's three packages. There's flat pack, flat pack help. I mean. LibreOffice uh, stable, uh, LibreOffice help, and LibreOffice some sort of Visio plugin or whatever. Yeah, the the install only had three. It basically just shows the main packages because it doesn't show the the dependencies. Um, 
it's fine. But anyways, the, a lot of people, like, if you read through the comments of the LWN article, like, there's just so many people, like, I don't, I don't, you know, like, just freaking out about this whole thing. And I don't, people don't like, there are, uh, there's a very vocal community out there that, obviously, there's a vocal community that hates snaps, and I'm a part of that community. But there's also a, a vocal community that doesn't like any containerized package format at all. They always want nat native packages, and I think that that's where most of the outrage about this thing is coming from. Is, is those few people yeah. just do not want any containers whatsoever on their system, and they always always want native packaging. Um, well, native packaging. I would I would say this about native packaging. Native packaging come with so many dependencies that becomes dizzying at some point. Well, I mean, we've been dealing with that for a very long time. People are are used to it. They also, a, I mean, a lot of people like the I, idea of having control over their dependencies, you know, so that, the, you know, they can pay attention to version numbers and things like that if they want to. You know, people people like that idea of having that control of things being independently installed and not all just packaged into one thing. But you're just going to have to get over it because Flatpak's just the way things are going, you know? That's the way I look at it. Like, it, Native packaging isn't going to go anywhere. It's just going to be... I guarantee someone in RPM Fusion is going to package LibreOffice if you want a native package. Probably. I mean, it's just probably going to happen. Um, uh, I agree with that. Although, I don't know why... Why would you, why would you bother? Because, I mean, that's, that just smells like a package is going to be put out there into a repository somewhere and then eventually the developer is going or the maintainer is going to get bored with it and just leave it it's going to be set at version 7.2 or whatever forever and ever and ever well look at me i maintain packages on uh, on my repositories and yeah. there are packages that uh though they get updates i don't see the necessity of updating them anymore they're mainly themes uh, i mean mm. not themes i mean uh what's it called Gavantum themes I don't care about Gavantum themes. I leave them the version they're at, and there are. But uh, the advantage of maintaining packages, like for me especially, is I can hold packages back, especially when it comes to Nvidia, uh, other packages as well. So uh, some packages I prefer to build myself, so I can control which ones, uh, which version I push. Yeah, through. and uh, that that is the advantage that you have, and you can do much the same thing with flat packs too, if you really want to. You can spin up your own flat pack repository and uh, and uh, make, pull down flat, flat flat pack references files, and then be able to build up build up your own flat packs and distribute them yourself. There's so a, the there's a documentation thing. on how to build your own flat packs, and they're not very it's not very difficult to to grasp because it's it's very similar to PKG build on the AUR, except yes, it's it pulls from source and it pitches. Differently. Well, well, like we uh, talked about earlier with Arch going immutable, Arch is always going to be a little bit different when it comes to packages because uh, because of the AUR, right? Because they're much more, I mean, reliant on na native binaries of, and native packaging and stuff. Um, speaking of which, a lot of packages from the AUR from the past month till now, from the packages I maintain from uh, from the AUR, there's 30 packages that I used to maintain from the AUR that moved to the extra repository. 30 in the past month, so one a day. Mm -hmm. 
I'm but you like, know, that's what? a good thing because to, honestly, there's a lot of packages on the AUR that should be in like the extra repository. Optimus Manager, that thing will never move to the to the to the thing because uh never reason. <laughs> Arch reason. Uh that's package should be well, on the extra they... repository. They're actually much more willing to put stuff in extra now than they used to be. It feels like maybe that's just yep. something that I, I something well, in I my think mind. They did the move, but it, it, it just did the move. it just feels like they're more willing to put stuff in extra than because it used to be they were very very stingy with that repository, almost as stingy as they, as they are with core. You know, um, I don't know. It, yeah, but I think I think that's the reason why they did the migration to begin with. Because they want to shove everything that moves from the AUR uh, in there. Well, I thought I th and, from from what the, from what I was reading, they did it mostly because the 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 uh, gets get, get supports yeah. better, you know, issue tracking they're and bug tracking and stuff like that. Plus, it's bug not... tracking on the GitLab. They're gonna yeah. open bug tracking on GitLab, and uh, because they wanted to move away from a system they used to use, I forgot the name of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Brody talked about this in detail. But uh, suffice it to say, one of the other reasons I think is because they want to start accepting more and more packages from the AUR. I'd be surprised if that really happens. I would love it if that uh, really happens. Less packages for me to maintain. I, I mean, they have gotten more accepting of the AUR in recent years, but they've almost. I Not mean, enough. They're, they're still very anti AUR in a lot of places. Like the, the, cause, and for good reason, because a lot of those packages they have to be wary of. Because the. Let's just face yeah. it, the, the maintainers, no offense, Steve, in the AUR of packages aren't the most, I don't know, consistent of people. You know, uh, no, they're not the most consistent. There, there's some packages on there that probably shouldn't be redistributed by by this team by the team. Like uh, there, there's a couple AUR packages where it's just like uh, the the AUR is the only Linux build of that piece of software because it's really just extracting an EXE file, yeah, uh, like, generating its like own Deezer. electron image. Yeah, D I'm talking about Deezer here. <laughs> you know, let's uh, let's pull down let's pull down the Windows binary, unpack the EXE file, the, rebuild yeah. our own electron container, and run that. <laughs> Does the Flatpak version do the same thing as the Deezer? Is that what the Flatpak yeah. version uh, does? Yeah, the, the Flatpak yeah. has the uh, has the uh, Windows uh, uh, executable in there. Mm. Uh, that explains, I don't explains why it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, like it just explains so much why it's so bad. Um, that's the reason why I don't even but have it the, installed. I just use it on my phone. But no, you said something, Matt. That is really uh, I fall under that category, fortunately, and I have to admit it. Well, after admitting it, if you don't want to use zero Linux out there, I don't. I don't blame you. Uh, even though I maintain packages on my on my repository, I don't pretend to understand half of them how they have how half of them work. I do it for the users who request them because they don't want to spend 20, 30 minutes using them from the AUR. Uh, so I do it for them and I put it there. And I cannot possibly test all the packages that I maintain on my repository. So yeah uh i don't understand half the things because that was brought up when we were talking uh about the tkg versus uh, vanilla nvidia drivers uh i was asked do you even understand what they're doing to the to the nvidia driver to trust them it was like oh 
uh, and and when they ask me why do you trust them because nobara uses uh, some of their patches in their distro that's the only reason i trust them and then because i heard chris titus tech say uh they're second to none i was like if they trust them i should too i trusted them well oh. when it when it cut i mean we talked about this two weeks ago when you were talking about that is like try sometimes you take other people's trust and you know kind of transfer into your own uh yeah ownership, that, that's right? what i did but uh, uh i don't pretend to understand everything like even if i read a pkg build most of the time, I don't understand half, what half of it does. So I build, I test on my own system. I sacrifice my system for everyone. If it breaks my system, then I don't, <laughs> naturally, I don't put on my repository. But if it doesn't, I'm like, hey, good, it works. Well, I'll put on my repository. So uh, Yeah, uh, that's not... it. And it's also not like you advertise like zero Linux as like a security conscious distribution. That's what the uh, our yeah. our resident uh, security guy, uh, person wants zero Linux to be security conscious. Like, how can yeah, we do I, it security yeah, no, conscious? No, no. He was uh, like, don't use a UR packages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's also just perfectly capable of not installing the TKG package and just installing it the proper NVIDIA driver himself if he's willing to complain that much about it. It's not like you're shipping him by default. Uh, you still have to click a button to install him. Was my argument, but anyway, it's that uh, zero Linux will become at some point uh, very security conscious once we figure out how and what we need to do, uh, and by uh, by extension, that will mean that we have to remove a lot of AUR packages from our repositories. Probably disable the AUR completely. Yeah, so uh, we'll I mean, see how Man that goes. Manjaro does. I mean, and they get they have done it for years, right? It's fine, um, and they just give people the option to use the. AUR, yeah. if they yeah. want it. Zero Linux is not enabled. It's disabled. They have to go into PAMAC and enable it. But uh, the, the, nothing is enabled by default on Zero Yeah, Linux. he's talking That's about what, the AUR packages he's maintaining in, in the, his repository. That's what uh, yeah, I, ha the, I was uh, say, thinking of if we want to be very secure, we'll delete all the AUR packages from our repositories and let the users decide if they should build them themselves or not. And uh, enable some security-related uh, things. I'm not talking about SE Linux because SE Linux is a nightmare. Uh, but the small security things that we we need to enable and recommend users not to use the AUR if they want to have a stable system. Please, Atosh, I have way more than eight gigabytes for Firefox. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, guys, let's do a RAM check right now. Uh, how much RAM are we using? I'm I'm using 3.4 gigs. I'm using 14.7. I'm using 7.8. Win. I win the minimalism game. No, no I win the maximalism <laughs> game. You guys, got to also remember, I have two virtual machines open right now, so that's taking up some. So. Yeah. Oh, speaking of virtual machines, now, uh, now I'm doing, like you, everything in virtual machines. Uh, I'm building everything on virtual machines. I'm not touching my main system. My main system, this install of zero Linux shall last for decades it's arch there's no way it's lasting for decades right josh hoping for it to, <laughs> to, to last for decades i mean you can you can make it 
last for decades if you're Just willing never to turn, never turn it on <laughs> dude, dude. <laughs> I have, my computer in the store has been running zero linux for the past two years two years not a problem besides the i'm glad it's working perfectly yeah. fine for you, you the, the the one that surprises me the most is john in the chat who's using only four and a half gigs on windows that seems low <laughs> well he must be using he must be using a, a custom iso all the services and I, telemetry. I haven't seen off. anybody with more than me yet. Um, so winning. Uh. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait. Yesterday, yesterday, I, as I was uh, updating all my virtual machines, I was using 20, uh, 22 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, let me see here. My, my, my web server right now is using 17.8 gigs of memory. Why? Your web server? RAM. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Because the web server runs in a RAM disk. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways, let, we, we guys got we got very distracted <laughs> there. It's fine. Um, so we nerded out about RAM and we talked about file systems. I'm just so happy with the file systems conversation. Um, it's really good. <laughs> anyways, uh, let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> that to the, proves that you are a true nerd. Yes, you're a true nerd, my man. The, the thingies of the week. So we call these the thingies of the week because we couldn't call them anything else. Because all the rest of the stuff is trademarked, sadly. But Thingies of the Week works. Just get your mind out of the gutter. It's not what it's supposed to be. Anyways, uh, Steve, your Steve, where'd Steve, where'd Steve go? Uh, here. <laughs> like, I go, Steve, that's Steve, your thingy. Wait, where the fuck did Steve go? <laughs> Steve, your, your Thingy of the Week. Uh, my Thingy of the Week is Oops. called No Machine. It's called No Machine. And no machine. What no machine is? It's basically Ramina, but better. It's uh, remote desktop, but better. Uh, it's all remote desktop apps, but better. Uh, okay, why better? I mean, details. Why better? Uh, uh, like I used to use Real VNC, Real VNC, VNC, whatever it's called on the Arch repositories. They they, they really confuse the names, uh, but. I used to use real VNC. I used to use Team Viewer. All these limit you, uh, like real VNC limits you to five computers, to which you have to pay for each one you add. Uh, with Team Viewer, you're limited on time. You can only access a certain machine for five minutes or something like that. Uh, Remina and the free open source world never worked for me. Could never see any of my computers, whereas no machine, I, I maintain the package. Thus, I have access to the PKG build. And what I do with the PKG build is enable the auto service. So it enables the service upon install. So of... I have a question for you, Steve. Okay. This is a feature that's built into Xorg. You can actually forward your entire X environment over SSH. I know. Why but aren't this you is just too, doing that? Because that's complex. Uh, with <laughs> with with no machine, with no machine, you just basically open the window. It will uh, click on the machine you want to access, and there you go. You input the username and the password. You have full access, uh, and you can drag and drop files, text, whatever between machines. It's awesome, uh, and I use it on my to, to use my Steam Deck because when I, when I switch it to desktop mode. Uh, and 
well, I connect my Steam Deck over Wi-Fi uh, to my Steam Deck over Wi-Fi. I control the Steam Deck with keyboard, mouse, without having to connect a keyboard and mouse physically to the Steam Deck using the dock or whatever. And I have access to uh, to everything I want. So I access. I have six machines at home instead of going physically to each machine and and do stuff on it. And it works and it supports unlimited amounts of. Uh, uh, of computers without you having to pay anything unless you want to use it in an enterprise environment, then you have to pay a license per computer. But we're not using it in an enterprise environment, so we don't need to pay anything ever, ever, forever free. This is their tagline, forever free. So basically all I do is install the package, open the, uh, open the app, connect to a computer, done. Doesn't require any setup whatsoever whatsoever and you can control what resolution you can control what uh, what you want to do on the system via some you can even set up uh, scripts to run when you connect to a computer you can do a lot of complex things if you want to i don't want to i just want to connect to a computer steam deck whatever and do what i need to do and it just works i've been using it for uh, three three years since i started using linux and I've been the happiest man ever because when people recommended Remina, I was like, it's a free open source. Let me try it. Not discover computer, cannot connect, connection refused, ever, whatever. I had to scratch my head and search the internet for answers. There's no machine, double click, next done. Don't need to do anything. The the better. And it's super noob friendly. I would recommend it for any noob who wants to remote access their computer. Cool, Josh. You're thinking no, no, machi no machine, no, no machine, machine. One word. Um, uh, my thing of the week here might trigger some people because uh, <laughs> I, because I've discovered the world's greatest text editor. It is called Laps. Uh, spelled with a C, not an S. By the way, I made yeah, a mistake. Spelled with a C, not an S. I, I'll I'll fix that in the show notes after the stream. But this is a text editor written in Rust using the Druid toolkit. Which is basically just like a GUI toolkit, purely intended for Rust. And uh, thing launches just like the just like programs from the good old days, where it's just like you tell it to open, and before you're even done, before before you're even done letting go of the enter key on your keyboard after you after you type it into your application launcher, it's already open and it's ready to go. I don't understand uh, this whole thing. I don't well, I don't understand. Vim isn't slow. Vim isn't slow. No, Vim. Vim is not slow. Okay, this is also not slow, and I legitimately <laughs> think that this is faster than Vim. I got wait. Okay, Vim, First, can, be Vim, Vim can be slow if you load it with plugins. Well, if you load a whole I'm, bunch I'm of plugins, like pluginless Vim. Now, if if I completely remove all the plugins from Vim, a Vim, Vim is a lot faster for me. But then again, I also only use like six plugins for Vim too. I so have seven. Okay, Vim. so I have seven plugins for Vim. Mine's very very fast. And I couldn't honestly ask it to be any faster. <laughs> like, like, I, <laughs> but, but I'm like, not saying uh, this is bad. I'm, I'm just saying I was very offended with, by your use of the words "faster than them." <laughs> and that's why I put that there. <laughs> by the way, oh, I didn't even I didn't even talk about this. I should have talked about this earlier. I installed Vanilla Emacs. <laughs> I, oh I, 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 I followed along with DT's um, tutorial the other day. It was fine. 
Um, well, am I the only one who's a nano guy? You're banned from the podcast, by the way. Matt's using nano. I, I've been using nano for the last month. I despise it with a passion. <laughs> it's it's horrible. Okay, so nano. Okay, let me just put this. Nano is not bad. It's just if you, if you started out with nano, you're gonna be fine. If if you've ever if you've taken the time to learn Vim and you liked Vim, going from Vim to nano is horrendous. It's just really bad. I'm assuming it's like going for like starting out with Emacs, learning all the Emacs key bindings and stuff like that, and then going to Vim or to Nano. It'd be the same kind of process. Like you'd, you'd be, it's just not. They're so different and not. Yeah. It's yeah. just if you're coming if you're coming from Vim, of course you're gonna you're gonna hate it because Vim is way more complex, uh, more advanced, and it, yeah. it's it's got features there's, that that make life easier. There's a lot easier. of muscle memory. There's a lot of muscle memory involved with Vim mm -hmm. and that you Emacs delete when you go Nano. to Nano. You have to delete yeah. when you go it, to it, Nano. It's, it's I, a different I, paradigm. Been using it for three weeks. The muscle memory is still not gone. Um, <laughs> every time it, it 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 honestly does not matter. Every every single time, like I've been using it, like I said, for three weeks. Every single time I open up a, a document, the first thing I do is hit H. Absolute first thing because I'm gonna I want to go down line so I'm gonna uh, you know or hit J H J K L I'm, I'm one of those letters is always gonna be the first one that I pr I press and you know oh, I, I I'm still falling into this habit myself where it's just like after I'm done typing something I hit the escape key. <laughs> usually well, me, I, I mean i'm usually in normal mode so mine has been typing colon wq or a lot of times you know shift z G, <laughs> zq or something so so like half of my documents that have been submitted to um for work have zq at the end of them <laughs> for no <laughs> reason like it's just so fucking stupid because i haven't i have not been able to get myself to stop saying that's the reason why i changed the key binding for save to to control s because it would remind me that it's kind yeah. of like a word processor because that's basically what nano well, is is a word processor okay. okay well anyways back back to laps here uh the, the the big thing that i'm excited for for laps is that it's it's very it's very it, they're targeting VS code, but they're not going as deep as VS code is by default. Uh, they ha and uh, like it has a surprisingly huge selection of plugins and add-ons for already. Uh, like I was legitimately surprised to find out they didn't have a Hugo site manager add-on, but you know they, they've got like the 14 plus markdown ones that you would normally expect from a project like this. Uh, they, they also have Lisp integration, uh, a full C IDE. Uh, plugin and it it's actually really cool and uh if you're like wanting to like experiment with like different text editors give this one a look i highly recommend it because it it's by, by, really cool by, by text editor you mean a gui based one or a terminal based one? It, it it is a, it is a gui based one i use kate for kate. a gui based one yeah kate is good yeah um, and honestly and honestly, uh, Steve, you should, I, I recommend that you maybe give this one a look. I believe it's in the AUR. Laps it's in the AUR. I can check right now. It, it is in the uh, AUR, by the way. It is. If it is okay, since it is in the AUR, I'm, uh, if I like it, I'm gonna put it on my repo. Why not? Yeah, that said, it is still very much a beta project. Uh, they they haven't released what they call Actually, a stable it's, release. Actually, it's yet. an it's an extra, not an AUR. It's an extra. 
cool. Okay. Oh, so there you go, Steve. You don't even have to package it. But uh, <laughs> it, they 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 haven't hit 1.0. It is 0.2. Uh, so uh, it is still very much in a beta state, and it can be a little bit crashy at times. Uh, but I think it's got a future ahead of it. The AU. Yeah. You- you mentioned uh, uh, a while back, you mentioned a package to me, uh, specifically for GNOME, uh, that was called uh, Turtle Legit. Turtle Git? Yeah, Turtle, Turtle Git. Turtle Git. Uh, uh, to replace the one I was, or not to replace, but to, to try instead of the one I'm using. Uh, and I can tell you that thing is receiving Git commits like there's no after tomorrow. Well, okay. I think the guy behind I think the guy behind that one specifically is a gnome developer, and uh, compared it, to uh, it, but the icons on the icons are the same exactly as the one I'm using. Yeah, there's a difference that might made me switch. It's the fact that they actually update as soon as you modify a file versus the other one where you had to you have to hit F5, update the the icons on the icons. All right, gents, I need to do mine. So mine is Tridactyl. It is a plugin for Firefox. If you are a Vim user, uh, as you should be, um, and you want to have Vim key bindings everywhere, there are actually many, there are quite a few plugins that allow you to integrate Vim plug, Vim movements and Vim key bindings into your your browser. Uh, Tridactyl is just another one. That, this one is for Firefox. It is awesome so if you have used cute browser or you've used like veeb or you've used there's there's another vim based browser out there that's really good uh tridactyl is kind of based on that only it's a plugin for firefox and it has the u the gui or the 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 user interface of cute browser for you know bringing up urls and stuff like that it's very nerdy uh it's themable with CSS, it has a few built-in themes. So if you want to change it with the look and feel as you can, it has. Can you download a, themes? Can you download the ready-made themes? Uh, I, I'm assuming there probably are some out there. It's it's still in early development, but it, it's very. It has quite a few pre-built in. But any anyways, it has a ton of options. Like, like I'm talking, like two or three hundred different options. Uh, if so, if you like tinkering with things, this is one of the, one of the best ones. So like. Um, surfing keys is another option. It doesn't have nearly as many options as Tridactyl does. Um, and I think that one's for Chrome. Uh, there's like Vim, Vimc or Vimium or something like that. I think those are either the same or the two different ones. Those have options, but nowhere near, I think, as, as many as Tridactyl does. So it's really, really good. Uh, I've been using it now for quite a while. I, I will say if you're not willing to do the configuration through either their little configuration panel or through the interface itself it can get a little tedious but and a lot of the document quote-unquote documentation is very technical so um if you're not willing to kind of parse through that stuff it can be a little bit you know difficult but it's 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 okay it's pretty good um it's become my favorite vim style plugin for firefox it's the one i've been using for ages so uh that is it that is the podcast Wow, guys, we had some Thank really goodness. good. 
Yeah, yeah. We no, we've had some really good conversations there. I, I'm just, I'm still stoked about the file, the file system. We can, we can have uh, uh, part two next week. It was just right, so, so good. Uh... Um. Anyways, if you, uh, that is it for this week. We we record live every Saturday around three o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We usually go for around two hours or so. Um, usually we, we, we've been doing a better job of starting on time, but we still, we've actually been going longer than normal. So we still get done around five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, it, it's a thing. Anyways, you can, uh, find our live stream on youtube.com slash linuxcast if you want to support me you can support me on patreon.com slash linuxcast thanks to everybody who does support me on patreon uh and youtube uh you guys are all absolutely amazing without your support i truly would not still be doing this probably <laughs> like seriously there's so many times it's just like I, I think hey you know what? people actually pay me to do this so i might as well make a video so um i appreciate that seriously thank you for your support i truly do just you guys are awesome uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next week. Bye. See ya.